0: What's it like to travel from Australia to Indiana to cover the Pacers? We'll find out today. We're talking to one of the hosts of the Pacer Ruse podcast, Justin, about his trip from Australia to the US to see some of the US and to see two Pacers games. Ask Rick Carlisle a question. He got a, got a ton of impressions about this new look pacers squad. We'll get to it all today on the Locked On Pacers podcast.
1: You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast. Part of
0: the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome in to another edition of the Locked On Pacers Podcast, where we of course talk about the Indiana Pacers. As always, my name's Tony East. I cover the team for Forbes and SI, and today, going a little bit of a different direction. We're talking about someone who made the trip from Australia to the United States, to see two Pacers games, see the team play twice. a Carlisle question, interacted with tons of players. Justin, one of the hosts of the Paceroos. We get to a lot today, talking about... This Pacers team compared to some past ones in terms of fan experience, the new Lick gambridge Fieldhouse, his experience coming, like I said, from Australia to Chicago and Indiana to watch the Pacers play. Really fun and interesting conversation. I think you guys will enjoy. We'll just get right to it. And we are now joined by Justin from the Pacers himself, who just made perhaps the longest trip to watch the Pacers in human history, Australia to the East Coast, to Chicago, to Indy, all to see the Pacers play twice. Justin, was it worth it before we get into the nuts and bolts of the trip?
1: It definitely was worth it. Hey, Tony, thanks for having me on. It's uh, it's always risky planning a whole trip around the Pacers because you never know who's in, who's out, if they're going to win or lose. Um like, if I just flew up for the last Detroit game and all their starters were out, I would have been devastated. So, um, yeah, very happy to go for the games uh, in Chicago and at home in, against Philadelphia.
0: Yeah, you got to see a Halliburton game winner and then a 290 point game, which is about as good of an experience as you can get. For those who don't know, Justin lives in Australia, but has been a Pacers fan for forever. And hadn't. you said you told me you hadn't seen them since before the pandemic, correct?
1: Yeah, correct. The last time I went up was I think 2017. Um, I saw a few home okay. games, and then before that was when they were really good doing the Miami Heat Eastern Conference battles. I flew up for the playoffs, so yeah, I hadn't seen any of the reservation um, construction at GameBridge Fieldhouse or anything like that. So it was definitely special um, to see all that going on as well.
0: Yeah, good good timing to go. Fun two games. Uh, my first question for you about the whole experience. Cause like I just said, two fantastic games and you sat right by their bench in Chicago. If I'm, if I'm to be correct, uh, what, when you see them in person compared to watching them on TV stood out to you that maybe you weren't expecting or made them made you feel differently about
1: the team a little bit. Yeah. It's really interesting after watching them so much on TV from Australia, being so up close and personal, you know, I was about one or two rows from their bench. How quick, the nba game actually is you might watch on tv and just think the moves they're making are quite slow um but you see you know matherin's jab step and then you know Halliburton doing a no look pass and just how quick their movement are and actually what i got out of it as well is how physical the game is people who you know are on twitter might say oh the nba has gone soft and things like that and i do understand that point of view if you've watched 90s basketball but when they foul and you're close to them they foul hard <laughs> you can hear the hits on them and you know when they're throwing their bodies against the the station going for a block that's that's the other thing i got a, out of it it was just how hard they they foul and hit
0: yeah the physicality compared to 90s basketball to me has always been that like everybody was in the paint so there was like a lot more hits then but it's just like like each individual hits similar ish i guess i don't know that's I was not very old (laughs) for 90s basketball, (laughs) so I suppose I can't really share too many opinions on it. But, yeah, you know, the the quickness part, I think, is is generally pretty striking, especially with this team that plays so fast. Like, you saw a couple. I have in my notes from the Chicago game, so I've been recently tracking for a project, like, plays that I think encapsulate the Pacers' identity, which is, like, playing fast off of makes and all this stuff. And they had a couple right in front of you in Chicago where, like, the ball goes out of bounds, and they sprint to get it, and they throw it to someone who's throwing it in, and they try, it's like... It's also fast. You can't even process what happened on the defensive possession or what they're about to run. And Tyrese Halliburton and Rick Carlisle are like, all right, we're running this. We're doing this. And it, it's it's so fast that it's ridiculous. And somehow these guys have figured out how to do it and make it all a positive strategy for them.
1: For sure. And I think Tyrese mentioned that after the game, that um, when Zach Levine missed that final free throw, which I will take credit for, I made Zach Levine miss that last third free throw. <laughs> I yelled at him and all the Bulls fans were hating it and it was so good. But yeah, I think um Carlisle wanted to take a timeout and it was just like, not nope, Tyrus is gonna, you know, not let the defense set up after a timeout, and he's just gonna pull a step back three on Pat Beverly's head. So yeah, you see the trust Carlisle has in Halliburton, and um, yeah, it was a fantastic game.
0: That was a good ending. That ending had a lot of like good arguments against that timeout, right? Because then the bulls get their defensive unit in and you're calling a more complex play where it's like Tyrese Halberton shooting the ball anyway. Like, just, just do, get dribble down there, kill the clock and let him shoot. And he did. Uh, have you, had you seen a buzzer beater before in person?
1: No. The one that sticks out, obviously, it wasn't a game winning buzzer beater, but the buzzer beater that I had seen in person was probably a, one Pacer fans will never forget. And that was Lance Stevenson's three over Dwayne Wade in the playoffs. I think it was three quarter time, um, a real momentum changer So I was there in person for that one, but an actual game winner. No, that was, that was the first one I've been at. And it was, yeah, it was an amazing experience.
0: Wow. You've had two good, that's two good ones to have though under your belt. That, Ooh,
1: that, Chicago, if you good. want,
0: like if you'd never seen a buzzer beater before one, there, one, I think there was one every quarter of the Chicago game, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, I think there was, and even against Philly as well. Tyrese hit like I know the first one didn't count. Then he hit one at halftime. I was like, the Pacers just have to fly me up and send me to every game.
0: <laughs> what was the driving force that made you want to go now with this team at their current stage? Because they're ascending, right? They'll be they'll be presumably better next year, and you know who knows if they'll make the plane or not. But what besides being a fan or wanting to see the, the Pacers play? Like, what made now a
1: good time for you to want to to make this trip? That's a really good question because some fans would think I'm probably crazy flying to see them now when they're you know, 25, 26 wins, probably not going to make the playoffs or play in. Uh, why would I go now? But I always kind of love doing a trip when they're not so great because it fulfills so much more when they are great. I did the same with the Pacers 10 years ago when it was you know your Danny Granger and your TJ Ford team and Dante Jones and they they weren't, they weren't that great. I flew up to L.A. to see him play. And um, then when they made the playoffs and they had Paul George, David West, and, and Granger was, you know, that budding star. It was It was just so much more fulfilling, and that's why I go for the Indiana Pacers because I'm not someone who would just jump on the best team and like the Lakers and uh, Golden State Warriors. I, I feel like, you know, the Pacers' slogan has been in the past, built, not bought, and I, I really live by that. I, I love the underdog story. Um, so I, I'd hope in the next maybe two to three seasons when the Pacers are contending for the Eastern Conference Finals, I can I can fly back and and watch them and then go, Oh wow, I was actually here two, three years ago when they were when they're at their bottom.
0: So you got the impressions of this faster, more physical than television can show kind of team. What did you feel like? they really excelled at in your, you know, they scored a bajillion points in the two games you saw, but also what did you kind of feel like, and you know, some of these you can get from TV, but what do you still feel like they need as a team as they get to be that team you just described, hopefully pushing for playoff wins of the future?
1: Yeah, I think we obviously need that, that wing defender. Um, it's been mentioned a lot around the trade deadline, obviously the OG and rumors and how well he would fit in. Um, I've, I've always felt like the Pacers need a deeper bench. Like I've, I've, felt that for 10 years, just a six-man scoring punch. And I know people would say, oh, Matherin is that, but I think long-term Matherin should be a starter and then we need need an extra um, scoring punch off the bench because you're in the playoffs. You've always got that game four or game five when you need a random bench player to win you that game. And I don't think the Pacers kind of have that right now. So, yeah, I'd say a wing defender. um, I like the cornerstones of the team currently with obviously Halliburton, the future of the uh, point guard, Miles Turner's having a career year. He's really cemented himself at the five spot. And then I'm really high on Mathurin. I think he's a long-term, you know, um, starter in the league and I think he can grow into a, a, an all-star. So I think you've got your core pieces there. It's just what what to build around and adding bench players. And the Pacers have a bright future. I think, I mean, Tony, you're the master at cap space and all the moves they can potentially make. I think they've got a lot of flexibility and I think next season they could even make a push for the playoffs.
0: Hey guys, really quick, want to talk to you about Ultimate Pro Basketball GM. I'm really geeked out by one of our new partners and a sponsor of today's episode, the mobile game Ultimate Pro Basketball GM. If you've ever dreamed of becoming an NBA GM and managing your basketball franchise, well, your dream can become true, and this game is definitely for you. You can manage every strategic aspect of your team, play through the season, and lead your team to glory. You're responsible for hiring the right coaches and assistants, trading and training players, making draft picks, navigating your franchise through free agency and the draft. The ups and downs of a season. All this in a challenging and realistic game world. Ultimate Pro Basketball GM is completely free and playable offline. Play on the go and when you want and It's a blast. We have a Locked On little group going right now, and it's been really fun. We've had a nice little bit of banter going on, and I suggest you do the same with your friends. So Locked On Pacers listeners get a 100% free boost to their franchise when using the promo code Locked On in the game store. So make sure to check that out. Download the game. Just go to probasketballgm.com. Scan the code or look for it in the iTunes or whatever app store. That's probasketballgm.com. Ultimate Basketball GM. Start your dynasty today. Yeah, their constant goal of keeping flexibility while they get better is really hard to do. Like there's a reason you don't hear about it working for a lot of teams because it's hard. You have to usually give up flexibility to be good. They've gone basically a year and a half without doing that. And they're like, are I you know, we're talking on Sunday for those listening, it's a couple days in the past, but they're right like doorstep of the plan in theory, right this second. Who knows where? You know, the bulls just beat the nuggets somehow. Who knows where it shakes out? But As of now, like they've done a good job of getting better while doing that, which is really tricky to do. And it was something you just said that I think is fascinating. When I think of the bench for this team, right, uh, a team I think about a lot is actually Philly because they don't have that good of a bench, but they survive because of the way they can stagger Harden and Embiid in a way that, in theory, if one day Matherin is good as it looks like he can be, and Maybe get a few more point guard reps as a player. And I don't think he should be a point guard long term, but like in theory, a guy who can you can play through, you just stagger Halliburton and Mather, and you, that's your bench score, right? And then all of a sudden, you're looking for pieces that fit around them or fit around your identity with those two. And I think that's important. And look, we can all point and go, yeah, forwards like duh. But as you build that way, I think that will really help their bench is when they figure out how those two can play together, and then in turn, separate as they stagger them as stars.
1: Yeah, I, I completely agree. And I think the NBA is headed more towards that staggering stars and minutes. You look at Dallas with Kyrie and Luca. Another you know, good example. You, yeah, you're not going to play them just together and then on the bench together. It's it's about staggering minutes like you mentioned. So, yeah, that long time, long-term piece of Halliburton and Matherin, um, I feel like it's going to be an amazing duo. And if, if Carlisle can stagger their minutes, then, yeah, that's only going to be a great thing
0: that might be a better team to look at too. Cause that's two guards, right? They they don't have a lot at, at the other positions uh, here. You talk in, in Australian accent, just, I, I asked Justin this when we were sitting by each other at one point, if it sounded like we all had accents to him and he said, which, which I thought was so funny. What word did that someone said like sounded the most wrong to you during this whole trip?
1: Oh, that's a good one. Well, you asked me if I've got a knife or not. Because maybe we'll touch on that later. But that was probably the weirdest thing, which uh, I'm sure we'll touch into later. But, yeah, it's funny. All your American listeners are probably half understanding what I'm talking about right now. And it's funny, just being in America for three weeks, going from, you know, L.A. to New York to Chicago to Indiana and hearing all the different accents, like they change from state to state, whereas Australia is just this generic voice I've probably got. (laughs) Um, so it is funny, like you guys have accents to me. It's it's great. I love your voice. I wish you, I wish I had it. I feel like I sound like a bogan. <laughs> so um, yeah, it's just funny the terminology Americans use. Like after everything, they say you're welcome, whereas Australians probably don't say that. It's like oh yeah, cheers, um, and Americans will be like, what are we cheesing? It's like oh, I'm just saying thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Is there
0: any basketball – like, like the, the NBL is a big deal, right? Like, are there any basketball terms, like, in Australia that aren't a term here?
1: Uh, not really. Like, we try and copy a lot of the Americans. Like, NBA is huge in Australia. So, yeah, NBL will try and kind of piggyback off everything within the NBA space. There's no real terminology with – australian basketball the only thing is like we would say if there's like a mini scuffle in an nba game where it would just be like oh yeah it's like a hold me back situation where everyone's trying to hold you know oh you better grab hold me back before i fight you um that's kind of what we joke about a bit
0: i uh, that'd be fun if i i'd I'd love to immerse myself in that just to hear like just how it would sound yeah that that would that would blow my mind like to have someone think that i sound like I have an accent. I never processed that until I was sitting next to him. I was like, wow, I probably sound really obscure in this setting. Uh, I think I could share this, right? Because the question is on YouTube anyway. Justin sat next to me in a press conference, too, after the Pacers home game. And what he just referred to was Rick Carlisle asking him, jokingly, of course, after the Australian accent, if if he had a knife, which was funny. Um, what was that moment, like being that close to Carlisle and asking about Tyrese Halliburton like for you and, and being in, in the media section of the day for a couple minutes?
1: So, yeah, it was like a dream come true for me. First of all, I, w- I was so nervous, as you probably noticed, like talking to you and following you around the field house. First of all, I would have got lost without you. I, I saw you walk <laughs> in the media room and I was like, oh, there he's going. He must be going to Rick Carlos press conference. So I just kind of followed you. But um yeah, I, I was so nervous asking him the question. I was kind of building myself up to it all game. And I thought, oh, hopefully they win so he's in a good mood. And They lost, of course, and he got a technical foul, of course, so I was like, oh, this has set me up for a uh, beautiful response to my question. He probably can't even understand my voice, but yeah, you you kind of revved me up, and I was like, look, I'm only here once. I'm going to ask him a question, even if he kind of has a go at me back, at least it's an experience, so yeah, grab the microphone off you, and Started talking about how I wanted to give him a positive question. So it was like gonna be a positive answer. I was originally gonna ask him how tough it was having Miles Turner only play 17 minutes and doing that with foul trouble, but I thought now nah, because that's going to be a negative response. So I thought I'd um tie it into Halliburton and his 69 points and 26 assists, I think, in two games. So yeah, he could give a positive answer. And then yeah, he just spoke over me and was like, Are you John Christopher's friend? and I was like, yeah. And then he's like, oh, do you have a knife? And I was like, what is going on? And I messaged a couple of mates back home and I was like, what? Like, I don't even get that reference really. Like, I think it's off Crocodile Dundee, the movie where, yeah, the hunter's got a knife or something. Like, I don't understand it. But, um, yeah, I was just like, I've completely forgot what I'm going to ask. And then I stumbled <laughs> and somehow I got through it. You got a good answer out of him, though. Mm. I did. I did. He, he was great. Like I uh, saw him in the elevator or lift the next day and um, yeah, he spoke to me, me and John and um, yeah, he was really nice. And th- that's my overarching thing of the whole, my whole experience was how great, you know, you were to me. You came up to me in Chicago and spoke to me before the game. And then we spoke the next night uh, at home against Philadelphia. Scott Agnes was really nice to me and um, all the staff, anyone I bumped into, um, was was extremely nice. Like I'm, I'm a nobody. I know that I'm just a fan from Australia. There's nothing special about me. But anytime I come there, everyone in India treats me like family. The the players were so nice. I got the opportunity to speak some players, and yeah, I I'll kind of take that to my grave. That experience with how how nice they were to me.
0: This team this year has a lot of good, emotionally intelligent players. I think not that not that past teams. Like didn't necessarily. I just think the percent of them that I would say are this year is the highest it's been for me covering this team. And the, those kind of moments is where it, it shines through in like one-on-one conversation settings. You're just like when you're not talking to them about basketball, it's like more engaging sometimes than it has been in the past. Had you been to a a road game before, like not in Indy?
1: Yes, I have. I've been to a few road games. Oh, you um, said LA, didn't you? Duh. Yeah, LA, and I've, I've been to the playoff series uh, against Washington a few years back, Atlanta a few years back. Um, I've been to a road game in Detroit. I actually like road games more than Indiana games, and that, it's nothing to do with, like, the fans or the atmosphere. I just love that road atmosphere, getting a big win on the road, and um, sometimes you get a better interaction with players on the road because they know you've tr- obviously travelled from somewhere to watch them. Um, so yeah, I, I do like road games, but as you mentioned, Tony, I mean, for someone like yourself who's who's covered the team and you know you get locker room access and all that, how how great the players are with interactions. You know, Tyrese Halliburton. I'm so happy he's the leader of this team because just seeing how he interacted with other players around me when I was just listening, I was like, wow, this, this guy's the leader I want on the paces.
0: Yeah, this is a like a really lazy way to talk about him, but. Like this is what I say to the people like he just gets it like every setting he's in. I don't even mean like playing basketball or like answering a question like every interaction he does. He gets like how serious or silly or important or it is. It's like the perfect level. And I think that is is very telling of the way he's able to relate to people and and be a leader for a team. And that like he's 23 years old. Like and I and I go back to this a lot. I haven't really talked about this or written a story about it, although I'd like to one day. You know, something that stood out when I was talking to James Johnson, like in October, I think, you know, he kept saying that Tyrese was the leader for this team, even though a lot of guys had actually mentioned James was. So I asked James, I said, have you ever, you've been on a lot of teams? Like, do you remember any young leaders ever? And he, the only guy he could think of was the MVP, Derek Rose, when he wow. was with the Bulls forever ago. He couldn't, you know, it's like, it's very rare for a young player to like, be like this for a team. And and Tyrese is really... Done a fantastic job with that. The reason I asked if you had been to road games before, which I forgot that you literally just told me that five minutes ago, was that I was curious what you thought of the United Center and GameBridge specifically, and how they kind of compared, and and what the arena atmosphere was like on your trip.
1: To me, I'm biased, right? But I think GameBridge is the best NBA stadium I've been to. Um, I think I've been to about fourteen or fifteen at this point, and GameBridge is just special to me. I, it's just so unique in the the concourse and all the like memorabilia around the outside how nice the facilities are i did a tour of the stadium um, the morning of the philadelphia game john christopher the massage therapist th- took me through the the stadium and even the saint vincent center where they train and the the facilities are just second to none. Like it was it was insane. We we opened up a door and we saw like Alfred Payton. I think he plays for the ends now, but yep. he was like running in this pool thing and it was tracking all his steps and it, it was insane seeing all like a all the massage stuff and just the weight room. It second to none. But obviously game day experience between the United Center and Gamebridge. Um the fans have really stepped up in Indiana, I think. Oh, a few years ago, I went there and there was not much atmosphere and you can probably speak on this better than me, but I feel like the fans were really involved. I thanks Tyrese for ch- kind of changing the culture of the Pacers right now. They're enjoyable to watch. The fans love watching them where as last season and the last few seasons, you know, I'm not throwing shade on anyone, but watching the Brogdon Sabonis kind of pick and roll, it was pretty slow and boring. I think the casual fan and even the... Most dedicated fan would prefer to watch this sort of basketball, and you can see that in Gamebridge, the fans are loving it.
0: One more break here, guys, so I can talk to you about FanDuel. About a month left of the NBA season, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because new customers get a no sweat first bet. Up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back. If your first bet doesn't win, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on anything from the money line to point scores to threes drained. You can dive into the spread, the money line for games, getting player props for certain stats on a given night, and so many more exclusive bets like FanDuel's two by three. Well, there'd be two three-pointer score in the first three minutes of a game. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same-game parlay, so don't miss the chance to get your no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Yeah, The, the slow, methodical style like is fun for fans when, you, when you're winning a lot, but that team wasn't winning enough. For it to be as gripping as it. like the first year of it. They were really good, right? People liked that that team that was the four seed a lot. The reason I know that the fan culture has changed, like, look, like my friends like sports, but I wouldn't describe any of my close friends as like big NBA fans, right? They're more. A lot of them are baseball fans and, and college sports fans, and they are asking me every single time I see them about the Pacers now because this year's team is is more interesting and gripping. And I think that that speaks to yeah, what 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 they are now and some of it's exceeding expectations, right? That's always fun and interesting and what's going on, how's this happening, but yeah, there's a lot to it. And the vibe in Cambridge is really fun. You got to see that, you know, it's not quite done yet, but that outdoor part on the North side, that's, you know, in conjunction with all-star next year is going to be really cool. Like that's going to make it more of a, an experience, right? All those little things that happen to coincide with them, like nailing your one of a rebuild. It's it's a pretty fun time right now, especially because Cambridge is
1: a good time. For sure. And, you know, I'd love to come to the All-Star weekend next year. And, you know, that's on my to-do list, whether I can make it happen or not. I, th- I feel like it's going to be a great atmosphere downtown. I-, I always hear from Australia how well Indiana do events like the Super Bowl years ago was, you know, they said one of the best Super Bowls was held in Indiana. And maybe the NBA players might not want to go to Indiana too much, but I know they'll put on a great event.
0: <laughs> what if, like, uh, like if Dyson Daniels makes rising stars, could you do media for Australia for that? <laughs>
1: Yes, I think so. I'll have to hit up some some people I know in the NBL and and, and come for that. I uh, I think I was pretty lucky to get a Pacers media pass. So um, yeah, I'll have to I'll have to keep digging for that to get an all star all star invite.
0: <laughs> How much did you do in Indianapolis besides the game?
1: It was really busy. Like we caught a bus at like five a.m. from Chicago to Indiana, and as soon as we landed, we checked in. Um, we basically tried to sort out our media pass and. Um, you know, that was like a full day. I, I don't know how you guys do it as like journalists and, and writers because it's such a full on game day, like getting there a few hours before the gates even open. And then, I mean, I didn't really have to prepare any questions. Whereas you guys obviously have a job to do with certain questions and how to write things. So I don't know how you guys do it with travel and all that. It's, it's so impressive to me, but yeah, with different things we got to in Indiana, we did sound amos, um, which was cool. Nice. Um, I didn't try the shrimp cocktail, but, um, my partner (laughs) did. That's
0: like, that's like the reason to try. I mean, not the only reason, but a big reason to try.
1: Yeah, I know. I probably should have, but I'm pretty bad with seafood. So I didn't do that. (laughs) Um, the other cool thing we did was I I went to the Reggie Miller mural. Um, Oh, nice. Yeah which is cool got a photo in front of that and i didn't know actually obviously the next day they had the like a memorial service for david benner and reggie miller was actually there so yeah. i was like oh damn if i say one more day i could have met him <laughs>
0: <laughs> that that reggie mural is very close to where i live so i see it very often it's so big you can't you can't miss it yeah it was fun that he he got to come into town and and shit talk the Knicks <laughs> in in the yes. Memorial. I don't know if you watched it or heard it. That was a – he did a great job speaking. I think. Can, I, can I ask you, Tony, do you think they'll ever build a statue of him? Oh, man, that's a good question. They don't have any statues, so I don't know if they just have a high bar or if they haven't haven't thought about it. And, you know, the Pacers already had – this was talked about by Mark Boyle in the Memorial Service too. Like, they already have a high bar for, like, jersey retirement, right? Like, they only have five? Five? I think 4 or 5, right? Like it's rare for someone in this fran- in the franchise to have it happen. So I don't I don't know if they would do a statue. I, they don't have a lot of room out front. For, I guess they could put it in the new uh construction.
1: But uh yeah. if it's going to be someone, it's obviously him, right? So if yeah. they're
0: considering it, he's the guy to do it for.
1: Yeah. No, I'd I'd love to see it one day, so I'm I'm trying to start the petition.
0: <laughs> That's what you were here for secretly, right? Is to <laughs> to get that going off the ground. Uh last one from me, if you had like what, what will be your one lasting memory from this whole experience?
1: Apart from the Rick Carlisle knife comment, which will stick with me forever. And I've already got a bit of flack from it, from my, from my mates back home, but I I'd honestly, and I'm not just saying this, how, how nice everyone is in Indiana. Who's your hospitality. They always talk about it. You know, you got to, New York, I was just there a few days before Indiana and, you know, no one kind of cares who you are. I did the Knicks, the Madison Square Garden Stadium tour and it was nothing like Indiana. You go to Indiana, I feel like it's a second home to me. Everyone is so nice, the staff there. Um, The players were so generous. Like Torres Halliburton signed a jersey for me. Matherin signed a jersey for me. Um, When I walked up to Halliburton when he was doing his pregame shooting, I was just going to say a quick hello. And as soon as he kind of saw my media pass, he was like, oh, you're Justin from the Ruse. I know who you are. Like, let's get a photo. Um, And I was like, oh, this, this is just insane. So um, yeah. And apart from that, I guess it was just my um, conversations with the players. I'll take from that, you know, I spoke to Buddy Heald. He wants to come into Australia in the off season, um, which will be really exciting. I might be able to hook up with him if, if that, if that comes to fruition. And, um, yeah, it's just I guess the the interactions with the players I I won't forget.
0: That's why they call it Hoosier hospitality. You got to to see it up close and personal. Uh, and also on the way out, Justin, tell people about the Pacers Ruse. I think you guys' last show was the Miles extension. So uh, they they used to be weekly, and oh, uh, avid Pacers Ruse listener mostly the accents, but also for the Pacers content, Tony, East here. but talk about the Pacers the show and the, and what your media path said.
1: Oh, thanks, Tony. Yeah, we, we got to get it up and firing. It's funny. Anytime we, I think I spoke to you about this, um, when we were talking, anytime we like, all right, we're going to do weekly episodes, get back on track. The team's playing really well and we'll do a few episodes and they'll go on a 10 game losing streak. So, um, (laughs) And then, when, yeah, we we don't record. They play really well. But we do. me, Adam and Alex definitely need to get it firing up again. I When we did stop for a bit, um, we were amazed at the people that reached out saying, hey, like, we miss hearing you guys. Is everything okay? Like, please record. We just thought, you know, there's so many other great Pacer podcasts out there. Everyone's probably got their daily fix. But, um, yeah, we've had had so many great support. And I was astounded to get a media pass just through the Paceroos account. Like, Having media access to R- R- Carlisle's pre-game and post-game press conference, just from a, a little guy like I'm from a small town in Adelaide in Australia. I don't think there's probably one Pacer fan in in the whole of Adelaide. <laughs> there is a few few in Australia, but from someone who you know joined two guys on a podcast um, a few years ago, and just speaking from our, our bedrooms, and we've met up, and we've all become friends. To now, like players on the team know who we are, and you know, actually asking Rick Carlisle a question. It's kind of kind of dream stuff. And we had, you know, Kevin Pritchard come on, Miles Turner does our introduction. It's just kind of pinch me moments. We had the fabulous Tony East come on a few times. So um, <laughs> that was another pinch me moment. But, yeah, it's, we're definitely going to keep it going because I feel like the, this team's just going to be up and coming, up and coming, and um, really successful in the future. So we definitely want to keep it going.
0: So Pacer Ruse is just – a banger name <laughs> like, for <laughs> an Australian Pacers podcast. Oh, it's so good. Uh, yeah, I, I would rec- definitely recommend the Pacers myself. And before Buddy Healed visits you, I'll have to find any uh, Adelaide 36ers fan who lives in Indiana so you guys can have the crossover of the century as the only fans of local teams <laughs> from across the pond. If you don't have any parting thoughts, Justin, I'll get everybody out of here
1: oh 100 like i said if anyone from indiana comes down to adelaide i can hook you up with an awesome adelaide 36s experience but yeah just lastly thank you so much for yourself tony you made me feel so welcome in my stay in indiana i really appreciate it from the bottom of my heart you came up to me and, and introduced yourself in chicago and um, we spoke in indiana the next night the stuff like that i, I do really really appreciate it, so thank you
0: i love that this space lets me meet Tons of cool people. Yourself included. Justin had a great time in Indy. I had a great time with him in two different cities. He's on Twitter at, if you're on YouTube, you can see it, but at just indie underscore 31. I'm assuming that's a Reggie Miller homage, although I will not assume anything. Uh, tomorrow, TBD. That it's Sunday for me right now, and I don't have the Pacers scheduled in front of me, but I promise you there'll be a locked on pacers tomorrow talking about fun stuff. Thank you guys a ton for listening today. And I'll see you soon.